You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Untamed and Unashamed podcast. This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion, and openness that we can muster. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning, and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are, while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce, and I'm so happy that you're here. Today we're having on a poet that I came across three to four years ago. The first poem of hers I stumbled upon was this one. I am a woman of distinction, recklessly beautiful and untamed. My heart is splayed wide open, for I not only trust the process, but I trust the force in which each one of my feet hits the ground and my ability to maneuver through the joys and grief I face each day. I walk tall taller than an old cypress tree because I am at home in my skin. My self-worth lives in each nook and cranny of my spine. It is not attached to exterior what-have-yous like money, a piece of paper, a house, a car, this world approval, a ring, or success. My success is in presence. I am present in the humans I stumble upon like heartbeats at first light and in the night. I salsa dance bare bummed with bronze skin and white cheeks, let the music sway and bend and dip my spirit with the grace of a dozen fireflies drunk on the moon's wine. I am dripping in salt, brown from the sunshine and barefoot in my beauty. I am not afraid to tell you I am beautiful because I have done the work to be at home in my soul's skin. I do not shrink to accommodate the insecurities of those around me, but stand tall to remind them gently, why crouch? My body may be a meat bag, a vessel for the magnificence I hold inside, but I cherish each scar on my chin, each freckle, each voluptuous sun-bleached curl, each inch of my breast. I walk with my head held high when I walk into a room because I know there is space for me in this world however I may come. 
I show this world my tears and my laughter, unashamed. I know better than to try and fix or heal the suffering of this world. I know that by healing my suffering, I heal this world. I am a woman of distinction and I am not afraid to love you before you are ready. I am not afraid to move faster or slower than the expectations we lay on vulnerability and opening. I open at my will. I open at the first drop of a breeze, at a smile from the man sitting with a green top hat that I pass in a taxi cab. I open fearlessly and sweetly and ferociously with all the might I can for what good is living if we are not loving. I am here to love and love I will. I am a woman of distinction and I am not a victim of circumstance. I feel when things are out of alignment and I move from them with as much grace as I enter. I show up for this world. I set boundaries with ease that honor me. I understand that no one, I understand that no is self-love and everything after no is unworthiness. I am worthy, darling. Oh, so deliciously worthy. I am authentic as all hell and can taste bullshit from a mile away. I spit out societal Kool-Aid, laughing and writing my own Bible. I ground, ground through movement, through dance, through the sea. I drink the ocean for breakfast and I kiss the red dirt for dessert. I do not keep my freedom in a cage that requires six whiskeys to be let loose. I dance and shimmy and shake and love through my life. I am a woman of distinction. You will feel me when I walk into the room. I'm curious what comes up in you as I read that. Resonance, a craving for resonance. I know that the first time I read it, it woke something up in me. And the writer's words are completely untamed and unashamed. Her voice haunts with the legacy of early poets such as Gloria Steinem, Charles Bukowski. Her poetry breathes sexual liberation, choice, and overall championing women to their birthright of not only equality, but leadership. She states that her career is to share slabs of her heart for a living. Very much what I feel on this podcast as well. Her ability to capture the human experience with unrefined sincerity makes her an incredible force in the modern landscape of personal expression. Her loyal following of enthusiasts on social media are there not only for her brutal honesty and lyrical grace, but also for her lifestyle, which is a mirror of her devotion to joy. Her films and art shit on the societal shoulds and norms and encourage people to build their own box. She is an outrageous idealist and master at effortlessly marrying the life she wishes to live with her work, and this enrages and inspires many who believe they are trapped. She directed a spoken word poetry film in NYC involving 18 women reading the lines from her poem, This is for the women who don't give a fuck. The film was a viral sensation online and was nominated for the 2016 Cannes Corporate Media and TV Awards. She writes about the conversation she has with her gynecologist while his head is between her thighs. She writes about what having an abortion alone felt like because her boyfriend wouldn't sell his guitar to buy a plane ticket. She writes when grief takes her down to the white tile floor of her kitchen and keeps her there all night. 
She writes her disdain for the commercialization of spiritualism and in the same breath demands that people heed their gut before their guru. She writes how the numbness of grief feels the Monday morning after a suicide. She writes of surfing naked in broad daylight, what freedom tastes like. She writes of Austin, where cowboys walk in boots that echo on sidewalks stained with love. She writes about her disdain for marriage, politics, pensions, the military, and university. She questions everything and writes the truths we are too afraid to tell ourselves. She doesn't find her radical vulnerability brave. She finds it common sense, like breathing. And she brings us all there within ourselves as we read her work. I feel more me, more fully expressed, more bold and courageous, more sensual, more raw after her words touch my soul. And I'm so excited for you guys to experience her today. Please welcome Yanni Robinson to Untamed and Unashamed. Hi. Hi. I'm so excited. And my name is so hard and I have to set it straight, which is it's pronounced Yana. Yana. Kind of like, uh, yeah, I know it's oh, the I hardest. Yana. I'm so sorry. It's the, no, it's okay. It's the hardest name on the planet. And so I, I used to not correct people and now I'm, I'm, I am. <laughs> yeah. my, my daughter is a sassy little five-year-old and her name is Jaya. But most people say, see, it means um, victorious one in Sanskrit, but most people see uh, J-A-Y-A and, and say Jaya. And she's like always, every time she puts her hands on her hips and goes, it's Jaya, like super sassy. <laughs> <laughs> and she knows the meaning behind it. And like, we, you know, we talk about that all the time and she hears it when we listen to Sanskrit songs. So I think she has like so much pride in her name and that's why she's very like adamant people get it right. Um, but uh, I, I don't have the confidence of your five-year-old. I appreciate <laughs> her confidence. She's extremely <laughs> confident. Um, I read your poem, um, which is the first one I ever came across. I think it was 2018. Um, I'm a woman of distinction. And, uh, the first time I read that, it really like did so much for me. It felt, um, it's interesting to feel like a sense of belonging in someone else's words, you know? Um, but it, it really like felt like a whirlwind in my heart and I felt so sensual reading it too, which I love. Cause like our, I feel so much like our sensuality is like so much of our power and we're so disconnected from that. Um, but before we get into your words, um, I'd love for you to share your story because what I know of your life story is like a really beautiful cinematic poem in itself. Well, first off, I just want to say thank you. Um, I felt I felt the real sincerity and my my why behind truth is belonging. So mm. I'm really glad that you <laughs> that, that yeah. made it through to you. Um, I think that's the same for this podcast. That's the why. Mm, it's so important. Our world is so hungry to belong to ourselves and to each other and to community and to love mm. and to our art. We actually create belonging as artists through creating art in this world because it belongs to us mm. and people find belonging. And I think it was I don't know if it was Rumi or Osho, someone said that, but I, I really resonated with that. Well, I have probably lived a hundred lives in my life, so I might need a little more context on what part of my yeah. story you might hear. <laughs> I guess that your journey, um, you know, 
I found it really cool, the story about your parents and how they met. But um, I also love your journey of having growing up with two moms and all of the feminine energy there and how um, what a huge impact your mom had on you by not raising you in the cultural constraints. Um, I feel like that's a really beautiful part of your story. Um, so if you feel led in that area. Mm-hmm. And then also on, on belonging, um, the intro song to the podcast is called I Belong by Milk, M-I-L-C-K. Mm-hmm. And um, she's a dear friend. And uh, she wrote that song uh, because she felt like if we all had more of a feeling of belonging and enoughness, then like that alone would heal the world. So um, I chose that as the intro to the song because it is, like you said, it's, it's so much the why. What a beautiful mission. And uh, I literally was sitting in Mexico a week ago with a friend and I just said, hey, if you got three wishes and you could literally just wave a wand, what would you wish for? And we both chose belonging from the place of, I think if people were in a state of resting and belonging, there would be less hate, less anger, less Mm -hmm. racism. Um, I think it would actually fully, fully heal themselves. And I have Mm -hmm. a line, I think in woman of distinction that says when we are the video it's in the video not the written poem it says I believe when we heal our suffering we heal this world mm-hmm. and that is that piece of if we can find peace within ourselves we're able to walk out and offer that to everyone that we touch and we all touch a lot of people everyone that you yeah. walk by on a street and make eye contact with or any kind of I think we we forget how many people we interact with Mm -hmm. and the ability to spread acceptance and love and and take energy. But I try and really see people throughout my day, no matter where I am. Um, And so it's a, it's a walk, but yeah, I'd love to share my story. Um, Parts of it. um, I, so I was, I was raised by two, two gay moms. I, one mom, she's she's like you know I might be bi I don't know if I would say gay (laughs) um but uh yeah my my mom and uh father met in India and she was my mom was traveling around with her sister at the time and my dad is a follower of Osho and was in one of his ashrams I was just watching the the wild wild country Mm -hmm. um a few nights ago and really I don't really know much about Osho so it's wild so wild Mm -hmm. I actually like I haven't gotten too much into his stuff but I kind of appreciate that he was a bit about capitalism like I kind of Mm -hmm. like that he was a guru that was not and again I don't know enough of his pieces but Mm -hmm. so far I'm like fuck yeah he had a bunch of Cadillacs you know (laughs) (laughs) I don't know much about him either but his books I love but I don't know much about him personally there's a quote he has about aloneness and loneliness and the difference of them. And I'm going to fuck it up, mm-hmm. but he just says, you know, um, just to be lonely is to feel as if we are away from something and missing a part of ourselves. And aloneness is to really enjoy the company that we keep. And I remember living mm-hmm. in a cabin at one point in my journey, completely isolated for about a year. And that was a powerful leader in what to learn and the gift of aloneness. So anyways, Side tangent, back to <laughs> India. <laughs> That's how conversations flow. Yeah. Um, is So yeah, my parents met and had a really beautiful love story. It was a six-month love story spread out between India, Greece, and my mom was in 
Whitehorse in the Yukon, which is up north near Alaska, for all my mm. American friends or mm-hmm. international friends who probably don't know where that is. Mm. And they finish their love story in Whitehorse, and my mom broke up with my father, and he flew home, and and then she started to she realized she was pregnant, um, and yeah, so that was a what an interesting perplexity a moment of yeah. of endings and then the beginnings and I think it's so hard because we're taught religiously for the most part that when you're pregnant with someone that you should raise a kid with them and be together and get married and um yeah that wasn't the way that my story went yeah. and I think my mom dated a few men or after my father and then started to date women after and uh, I was I started my life in a little cabin up in the Yukon with big bush dogs and bears breaking in. And um, we traveled down and lived in Vancouver and Nelson, BC for a while. And I went on tons of road trips to Guatemala and Mexico and little Volkswagen cars. And, (laughs) And then my mom fell in love with my other I call her my chosen mom because they are no longer together Mm. uh my Jackie and uh she had three kids and lived in Edmonton Alberta and so we moved to Edmonton which was you know cold and full of rednecks and not like the good rednecks kind of Mm -hmm. like the (laughs) it was like the opposite of Nelson um but when we love people we go to wild places and so that's where the U-Haul went and um, yeah, I got to have a, a childhood raised in the prairies. And I think that warm people live in the prairies because it's so cold. And so there was mm. some real, real, real beauty to, and again, it's such a privileged upbringing, even if it was cold and full of rednecks, I lived in a pretty safe place and, mm. um, had a, had a great childhood. And, uh, people often ask, what was it like being raised by two moms? And my, it's a poem and also a joke is that on Father's Day, my wallet's a little heavier and on mm-hmm. Mother's Day, it's a little lighter. And we are so attached to genders and being mm-hmm. raised in gender roles. But the reality is, and, you know, in, in Buddhism, they teach we're all 33 parts masculine and 33 parts feminine. And so mm-hmm. all human beings have the ability to have the the duality of the masculine and the feminine whether you're raised by two women so it depends what parts they're living from and their integration and their balance um Mm -hmm. but I definitely grew up in a very open communicative transparent honest house where we talked about everything (laughs) and I definitely contribute that permission and acceptance of voice almost to the point of it it was literally wrong in my house to not talk about things if they were Mm. up And so I have a really hard time in this world because many people were taught the opposite. And it's pretty hard sometimes to have relationships, whether it's business or friendship or romantic, because it's, it's a different narrative. It's a different way. And um, we think that it's so good to be radical in our communication. And then we're like, wait, the world doesn't know how and doesn't Mm -hmm. always embrace or appreciate truth Mm -hmm. and honesty. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'm so grateful. Uh, I'm very grateful to have had and to continue to have two moms and to be raised in that space. And I'm also really grateful that they've separated and are living their own different lives. And 
we get chosen family, you know, yeah. we, get a, we can choose relationships or a choice, I think, whether they're family or, or friendship or romance. So, um, yeah, definitely loved, loved the beginnings of my life and the, the start of the journey and had really great mamas. Yeah, I love that. Um, I love the chosen family. My best friend, Tom Shadiak came into my life when I was about 24, 25. And he was the first person ever in that, you know, 24, 25 years of life. The first person that ever made me feel accepted to just talk about it all, you know, as if it would, as if, like you said, like for him, it was as if that was natural you know like it was weird to not talk about it and that gave me he was my first healing place and my first safe place and and that's really where my healing journey began was through experiencing that in a person um i read a post about how you um you basically like talked about how you chose your mom and i know that we all chose our moms um but it's um my son who's six has always told me that he remembers choosing me and that I took, I look like the nicest of the stick of the, you know, six or seven ladies, but a couple of weeks huh. ago, we hadn't talked about it in a while. So a couple of weeks ago, I was like, do you remember choosing me still? And he was like, yeah, I guess Bear's mom was taken <laughs> his friend. So I guess he changed his mind, but, um, but I know that we all choose our moms and I know that as difficult as my relationship with my mom is, um, I know that I chose her, but reading your post about your relationship with your mother and seeing you guys in the bathtub together, like how sweet and cute and it like how friendly it felt, you know, and um, like naked, like truly vulnerable, you know, um, mm -hmm. it was so beautiful to read and to see, but it also triggered a lot of sadness in me because I don't have that with my mother. And you talk about how, you know, she raised you to speak your truth and be exactly who you are and how she never put ceilings over your head and instead pushed you to live among the stars. And this version of me, my full expression is really difficult for my mother. It's too vulgar. It's too crude. Um, she carries a lot of body shame and fear, fears, and she projects that onto me. She would rather me be quiet than to speak my truth. But I'm still so thankful for your post because that's what I would like my daughter to write one day. That's what, you know, I, I didn't know a mother-daughter relationship like yours, um, mm -hmm. but I'm so thankful for your art that it inspires it to exist in mother-daughter relationships today. So I'm, I'm really, really mm -hmm. thankful to, um, to have you share about it a bit today. Mm -hmm. That's so sweet. And thank you for those words. And also what a what a gift I can tell that you really care about the relationship with your children and yeah. Um, yeah I can tell that's a big piece of your your work so thanks and I'm really grateful and God bless the nudist mamas who teach yeah. who teach their kids that that nakedness is is not sexual I also I also yeah I think that's really important and um 
I, I remember being uncomfortable at first being naked with my mom just because we have so much programming that's put yeah. there of, of nakedness being sexual. I remember going to a naked beach in Hawaii with my mom and being like, oh, like being a little weird. And then we've it's totally fallen away. So both mm. that trip, that trip, we went skinny dipping. That was in um, Tuktoyaktuk in the Northwest Territories. And my mom and her partner finished a 4,000 kilometer paddle from Peace River, Alberta to literally the northernmost point up in Canada. Um, wow. And it was like, she's my, my mom's partner is an adventure filmmaker and was making is just actually completed a six year journey making a film called 500 days in the wild. And wow. uh, so amazing. And they literally went off with a satellite phone for up to three weeks at a time in rapids and bear country. Um, just wildlings. I come from such wild blood on both. Yeah. Like my mom was an airplane mechanic. She's been certified as a shaman. She doesn't really practice. She'll probably get mad at me for saying that, but she has such a duality of yeah. um, of, of water and mother and earth and also, mm. you know, fought out the old boys club and was the only female AME in the Vancouver airport. And my dad continues to be one of the wildest humans I've met. So it's a, uh, it's it's nice to come from wild blood. I think we all have wildness inside of us. Yeah. Have you heard of Jedediah Jenkins? Sure. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know his parents like went from one tip of the country to the other, and then he rode his bike from or like Oregon mm -hmm. to Patagonia. So that that'd be fitting. I met Ruthie Lindsay in Costa Rica many years ago. Oh, and I got I connected, loosely connected with Jedediah, but I have his book and I really love his voice and his work and his essence as a human. Yeah, so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've interviewed Ruthie. Um, I see them almost every May at the Telluride Film Festival in, in Telluride. It's a documentary film festival. If you if you ever make it out, it's a wonderful place to go. Mm -hmm. A lot of documentaries on social justice and spoken art, like yours, Women Who Don't Give a Fuck. Is that the right yeah. thing? Yeah. I, I actually have a story <laughs> to share with you about the Woman of Distinction okay, film yeah, that I think you'll really, really like that's about activism. Um, I wrote The Woman of Distinction I Am a Woman of Distinction was a reclaiming of activism from a space of softness and mm. femininity. And, you know, I remember hearing, I don't know who said it to me, but he actually said it, I think it was a, it was a guy in Costa Rica. And he just said, you know, women don't need to be empowered. You know, they need to rest into the power they already are. And up until that point, if you watch my spoken word films I made, I have one called This is for the Women Who Don't Give a Fuck and I Will Never Be a Well-Behaved Woman. I had done activism with this kind of boldness and this like fuck you-ness and this shock value. Like this is for the women who don't give a fuck. Like walking yeah. up to the cameras. <laughs> if, uh, if you haven't seen that one, I can send it to you. And uh, I, I actually had a really beautiful teaching moment through a, a male friend of mine who was a musician and very early in my career, probably 2014 or 15, he asked me to be a, um, an actress in his music video, which was around gender equality. Hmm. And at that point, I was diving into what feminism was and diving into Gloria Steinem's work and loved her softness, was so mm -hmm. surprised with her softness because when people think of feminism, they think of, you yeah. know, you know, anger and yeah, burning bras and pissing yeah. Air. yeah. And Gloria Steinem was so soft, and mm -hmm. I was 
just immersed in that. And so he wanted to choose someone to be in this video with him that actually was living that activism. And um, we, the original pitch had all these bold, shocking, you know, men holding up a sign that says equality or him writing something on my back, like with lipstick, like very bold, shocking pieces, which is what I was about back mm -hmm. then as an activist. And it took me many years after he taught me this to integrate it because the I Am Alone of Distinction didn't come out, I think, until 2017, even mm -hmm. for the, the video that I made. But um, he, when we started to film the video, he wasn't filming any of these scenes that we discussed. And I used to model and I was done being an object. So I quit modeling and I just said, hey, you know, his name's Jay Sparrow. I was like, Jay, I'm not, I'm not some chick in a music video. That's not what I signed up for. What the fuck are we doing? Mm -hmm. And he sat me down and to this day taught me one of the most beautiful things and one of the most important things that I wish every activist in this world could know, which is um, he shared a, there's a, a film, the National Film Board of, National Film Board of Canada did called the, I think it's called The Angry Rain Cloud and the Sun. And it was a cartoon and this angry rain cloud came up to the sun and said, do you see that man walking down there? let's have a contest and see who can make him take his coat off first. And the son said, okay. And the angry rain cloud said, I'm going to go first. And so for the next few minutes, the angry rain cloud comes and he's throwing wind and rain and, and this little man just wraps his coat around him and, and the rain cloud pushes harder and he's throwing rain, throwing, there's this hail and the little man just grabs his coat tighter and tighter. And then one last time, he's just again, throwing all of this mightiness and this little man just wraps himself as tight as he can to cover and the rain cloud gives up and the sun comes and just lets out these tiny, little gentle soft rays and the man walking below gets hot takes his coat off and sits under a tree hmm. and Jay told me that story and then he looked at me and he said Yana I don't want to make a video that people actually know is truly about gender equality I want to the little boys that are watching this music video to see the scene where I'm cooking you dinner in the kitchen and you're chopping wood and I bring you food and I want them to know that I say it's cool that men cook their dinner, cook their wives or their partners dinner. I want the redneck in Alberta driving his truck to be singing to this song with no idea that the energy behind it and the meaning behind it is gender equality. Mm -hmm. We can do activism from this place and it's yeah. much more effective because anger shuts people down. Mm -hmm. And so it, it took me years to fully grasp that with my own art. And um, we feel powerful in anger. We feel as if we have control, but the reality is, is that it, it just shuts everyone down. And so when I wrote, I am a woman of distinction, I wanted to empower women, but I wanted to empower them through knowing they don't need to do anything to be empowered. They can rest into their play, their sensuality, yeah. their joy, and that, that, can also be activism. Yeah, and I think a part of that is also found in your poem, um, I am not afraid to tell you that I am beautiful. 
And I love it so much, but it's not the norm for many women. I think um, we often feel that we'll sound vain or narcissistic, or we just don't believe it. But I also wonder if maybe we are afraid of our own power, if we truly realize how beautiful we are, um, because there's so much power in that. And so I'd love to hear your inspiration behind that poem, because that one feels to me so much like activism and empowering as well. Mm-hmm. God, I wrote that poem so long ago. Um, there's a line, there's a line of that I put in this book, the spoken word video, but I, I remember parts of it. Um, I think that, yeah, I think that women's bodies are just haven't really belonged to us. They've belonged to capital, like consumerism. And there's just, there's this weird complex with women and their bodies and their beauties where we don't really want to, I don't know about you, but I had moments of my life where I, I didn't want to, to, I remember being told put, put leggings on or cover your body. And, mm-hmm. um, I think that there's a unlearning, it's a meat bag. It's just a meat bag. Mm-hmm. It's a big piece. And yeah. I actually don't, I don't remember the poem. I might have to, to read it again, to be totally honest. I've, I've written a thousand <laughs> poems. Um, I can kind of remember the premise of it, but I do think more or less, it wasn't just speaking to our body and to our beauty. And beauty is such a, a subjective thing too, because I think that our yeah. beauty, there's so much more beauty to our energy and our essence and our spirits is that I think that it's scary to have confidence and self-love and full acceptance of who we are Mm -hmm. in a world where not a lot of people have that. And so we often want to shrink to accommodate the insecurities of the world around us rather than love ourselves because we're afraid that that will mean we're egotistical or narcissist. I don't know. We swing the pendulum the other way. Um, And meanwhile, we should belong this is a conversation of belonging again we should belong to every part of us whether it's our physical mental emotional or spiritual body does belong to us and the we should if this is if this is it this is my body of course I should love it and and celebrate it and you know I'm after going off birth control I've been dealing with cystic acne there's not all days I don't feel beautiful um and at the same time how do we really step into love and acceptance? That's also part of the healing. It's rejection of our bodies is perpetuating the opposite of of love and all of the pieces that I think we need. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think that one of the best things we can do is really love ourselves and, and love all our parts, including our body, and role model that to people. And it's yeah. tri- it's tri- it's triggering for people. It's really yeah. triggering when a w- woman loves and accepts herself and walks in that embodiment because we've been taught to have, I think, more shame around our power yeah. because of religion and patriarchy and all the pieces. And um, I'm really grateful when I see women walking in this world, just loving the fuck out of all of their, <laughs> their mental, yeah. emotional, physical, spiritual, <laughs> all of it. Yeah, and what I got from Beautiful when you when you wrote about it was um, like really being at home in your own skin, which um, when a woman does feel really at home in her skin, she does feel beautiful. But like you said, that can feel really triggering. And I think that um, there's been so much shame placed on the body, like especially in the like 
being spiritual. Like there's been so much shame placed on the body and Megan Watterson talks about how like the body is the soul's chance to be here. So there's like, there's so much joy in the body and there's like so much to um, relish in the body, you know? And, um, and I've been reading a book called Pussy, a reclamation. And I've heard of that. I haven't read it, but I've oh heard my God, it. it's so good. But it talks about also how like we were taught to like almost think our body was gross, you know, that like, like we're just so conditioned to be, um, feel so separate from it. And when we can really like pleasure ourselves and pleasure ourselves because we feel we're beautiful and it makes us feel beautiful, how powerful that is for a woman. And so, um, until I read that book though, I noticed that I didn't realize how there's certain words that are associated with the body that like, I didn't even say because they did feel shameful until she like tells you in the book, she like tells you to say them with her. And then I would say it and I'd be like, Oh wow, that it feels really good rolling off my tongue. But it was like a word that I had never said before because it did feel like shamed by culture. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed that book. Um, Another topic that I wanted to discuss with you that has also, I feel like had a, it's interesting. It's either like one or the other. It's either got a lot of shame on it or a lot of um, like empowerment with it. But I wanted to talk to you specifically as an artist about your journey with money. Um, Cause it's, it's almost like a lot of people feel you can't be spiritual and have a lot of money or people hate when money is spiritualized. Um, and there's a lot of like coaches saying like, this is how I made a million dollars this year. And there's like such a thin line. I feel like, um, because there's also, I, there's something in me and it may be a projection where I don't like where, when people lead with money, because then I feel like, well, but that's not, that's not why we want more coaches. It's not because we want more millionaires. We want more coaches because we want more people feeling a belonging, you know, um, So I'm still navigating this line with money. I know that for me, the more money I make, the more money I'm able to give because I'll always donate Mm. 20% of my income. And so I don't necessarily feel a shame with making money, but I know that I have some blockages there because there's some sort of like spiritual feeling that like money can be bad, you know, or that like we're like storing up when others don't have or something like that. So I'm curious what your journey has been. Yeah, I'd love to share. I also want to share this this quote, which I found. I live in Encinitas, and there's a the Yogananda mm-hmm. has a med- big meditation garden. This this whole area has got a big presence of him. And I write, I just posted this the other day. Having lots of money while not having inner peace is like dying of thirst while bathing in the ocean. Mm. And I also, as you were talking, was thinking that people lead with money in the marketing sense or the marketing, good marketing is just storytelling. Whenever I do any kind of marketing, I'm always just trying to tell stories that are true. You know, the whole world probably doesn't think like that, but that's how I do it. And Mm -hmm. I think that people associate money with freedom. And, and so there's a, people are selling or calling people into freedom. And many of us associate freedom with money. Um, And then to go into my journey, I grew up on, on welfare with my mom and uh, 
I don't think I was ever acutely aware of the lack of. I always had food, um, but there definitely wasn't a lot. We went camping instead of going to a, you know, that was our, our vacations and our pieces. Mm-hmm. And um, definitely having two moms shifted that a little bit as far as income. But I grew up in a very rich place and we did not have what the world had. And I continue to heal my emotional relationship with money. I continue to play in the cavities of that. I continue to surprise myself and also have experiences where, you know, I had a a beautiful experience of when COVID hit, wanting to launch a program and feeling how deeply the collective needed to be held. I was in my women's groups that I was hosting in March. I was literally pulling in breath work or kundalini teachers because I knew people needed to get into their bodies and I knew they needed a fuck ton of support. And so I ended up launching a one-year program that was meant to be a six-week program. And I brought in over 27 teachers of truth who teach Mm. everything from chiropractor to, I mean, all over the charts and and the map and sex coaches and all kinds of things. And um, I, I launched this this one year program called your truth is your medicine. And I had had probably 30 clients was the most that I'd had. And I've done very one-on-one attunement work with people as a coach and 490 people signed up. Wow. (laughs) And, and so in three days I saw some of it was projected income, but it was five over $500,000 come in. And I actually was in shock. Yeah. I didn't I didn't even celebrate. I was just in shock. I was in shock also because I wasn't prepared. I didn't have systems set up. I spent all of last year drowning in technology and zaps and HR crises and it, it truly really was interesting. Um mm-hmm. it was an in, interesting business model for sure. Mm-hmm. Um and has taken a lot of learning and I will not say it has all been joy, but we actually just finished the completion last week and I got to sit with everybody in closing and hear their growth. And the whole program is around attuning to our ourselves and being our own mm. GPS system and learning to identify, integrate, embody the truth of who we are. So we're not so codependent on coaches or other people in our lives to mm. lead us to truth. It's to hear our own truth. And so personal development is a lifelong journey. If anyone's Mm -hmm. selling you some kind of transformation, they should be teaching you a practice that you use for your whole Mm -hmm. life. And that's what I was aiming to do. But I also just wanted to create a womb because I knew it was going to be a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was really expansive. You know, I'd made, I've made 300 or 400 grand a year and, and, and slowly had quite an interesting journey where I used to make $600 a month. And yeah. I had articles that had millions of views and I had no idea what I was worth. And I've walked a whole journey of, um, and I don't like to use the word worth mm-hmm. because we come out of the womb worthy of love mm-hmm. and everything we could want. So it's, there's a value piece mm-hmm. to what we're offering. And I didn't know my value for a long time. And so when I started to embody my value more, and that's still a a lesson and a thing that I'm learning. And I think the reason we have such a hard time charging for our services or receiving money sometimes is because we are in the conversation of self-worth rather than value. Mm. And it takes experience 
in our practice seeing actual transformation and results with people to know that we are providing value Mm -hmm. and we can get stuck sometimes when we're in those places and um, so for anyone who is just starting a business and is in the beginning phases you're not meant to feel confident you're not meant to be full of wisdom because wisdom comes from experience Mm -hmm. and so I think there's um, a reality of the value of what we're offering this world, no matter what we're doing, growing with the experience that we have. And um, I'm at a really beautiful point with my business where I've spent eight years doing one-on-one work. And as I was just saying, I launched this big program and um, a very expansive moment for me was it's, it was revenue for a whole year, but there was a three-day open cart and and seeing over $500,000 come in in a wow. three-day period broke so many layers of story and there was so much liberation and shock. I work with Gay Hendricks a lot when we talk about mm-hmm. our upper limit problems mm-hmm. and I, I actually got so shocked I didn't celebrate it for a little while. I just felt so wowed by it. Yeah. And um, it's wild. It's wild to be the first woman who works for herself in my family. I'm the first entrepreneur as well as um, to be really supporting myself with my work. And um, and then it brings you into this larger playing field. And if you really think about money, which is energy, mm-hmm. it is a beautiful tool to allow us to yes take care of ourselves but also to spread our message to create impact and then also Mm -hmm. to be able to give back and so a lot of us have a really negative connotation with money some of my big limiting beliefs i used to have were the biggest one was good people can't have lots of money Mm -hmm. that you have to sacrifice something inside of yourself to really succeed or be a Mm -hmm. success and so For anyone out there who has that belief, a new, a better, I think a bigger belief is we can absolutely be in integrity Mm. with what is sacred and not commercialize it and not put it out there and still support ourselves and make revenue. And the actual reality of the program I offered is I I could have probably charged $5,000 per person. I charged $1,000 per person. Um, There was so much value in it. And, Mm. um, And so it's been really fun being in that container and trying out a new layer of abundance. I also, in the same breath, went through this huge learning phase of this different kind of business model where we spent $400,000 in contractors and all kinds of things. And so uh, I think that it's interesting. Money is an interesting thing. It's just energy. And I continue to learn about how to keep money mm. um, and how to keep money for ourselves in the business model. So, yeah, the last year was really beautiful in discovery of expanding to receive and also seeing how quickly money can run out the door and that it is all fluid not to grasp it I thought my whole world was going to change you know make a bunch of money and you're like I figured it out or it's going to take a year off work or and the reality is is nothing really changes yeah you still Mm -hmm. 
show up and do the same things that you do. Just like we have that story that when I fall in love, uh, it will be this. And mm-hmm. um, on the other side of money and love is, is still the, the human complexities of contrast mm-hmm. and struggle and all of mm-hmm. the pieces. So um, I think that it's really important, especially as women, um, we used to belong to men and I think there's a lot of work to be done around women learning that it's okay for them to really receive and be these autonomous, sovereign, successful beings. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it's it's also, yeah, I like to talk about the actual numbers with women. Mm-hmm. Like I like to say half a million dollars or $30,000 and get really practical and tangible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that part of the liberation of women is also them receiving and caring for themselves and feeling safety and security in the, in a financial yeah. sense. So, yeah, that's all so good. My soul was like screaming. Yes. at so many parts. Um, I love um, that you said money is energy. I, I have strived in the last year to see money as like a spirit um, that like money is conscious and, um, that like, even when I pay my bills to like, say, thank you, like, thank you to whoever this is going to, um, when I pay for courses and training to like, say, thank you, you know, to the money for providing that course, you know, for a part of my healing. And, um, this year, since I've started doing that, since I've started, um, really treating it like a spirit I can have relationship with, um, and treating it as it's conscious. Um, and also seeing it as, um, like I have a contract with the universe that me and my kids are always going to be okay. Like, and, and seeing it as, um, that type of relationship this year, I've made more money than I've ever made, which probably a lot of people wouldn't consider a lot, but it's a lot for me. And the main thing to that, that brings me joy is that I was able to put my kids in a Montessori. Like that was my number one. So I'm able to put them in a Montessori that has, you know, farming and emotional intelligence and all of that. And that gave me so much joy as a mother, but that was something I didn't know if I'd ever be able to do as, especially as a single mother, you know? So, um, making more money this year, not only have I been able to give more away, like you talked about, but it would, there was something that was so healing for me when it came to my worth, because, I felt provided for by that spirit of money and by the universe. Mm. So, yeah. Mm, I love it. Mon- is Montessori kind of similar to, um, what's the other school I'm thinking of in, in Canada? Waldorf? There's another Waldorf. Yeah. One of my yeah. aunts is involved. God, I'm so glad there's alternative schooling. Oh, wow. So it's a big thing for me and having kids is like yeah. we're not learning the things we need to learn. So right. congratulations. And I don't grade the kids against the other kids. Like everyone is treated as an individual with their own individual needs and strengths. And um, I mean, every week when I get the email about what, like what they're learning when it comes to you know, a meditation practice or breath work or emotional intelligence, it's like for, for, my five and six year old to be getting that at school, you know, it just imagine if, if, I mean, you may have through your mother, but imagine if the whole world had education like that, it would change everything. So I, I literally, uh, if I was given three wishes, one of them, I did this with a friend recently. And one of them is literally meditation, self, self care, 
yoga um, and emotional intelligence and boundaries mm-hmm. be taught to kids. So I like that yeah. that already exists because I want to change the whole, I mean, there's a lot that needs to be shifted in our world, but yeah. um, it's so, it's so beautiful. And um, yeah, now my, my current journey is keeping money rather than just mm-hmm. making a bunch. And, yeah. and that's where I, where I am, but it's fun to be playing in different numbers. And mm-hmm. I've also just want to say that, I've sat down with a lot of business consultants who've said, you know, we could scale your company into a $4 million business, blah, blah, blah. This is what it would take. And I've just been like, no, you know, I'm not willing to, to, to do that because what drives me isn't money. Mm -hmm. You know, it's never, it's never been a, a push either. And so there's, um, I think it's okay to not want to have a empire and a million dollar business. You know, Mm -hmm. I've had some beautiful learnings in that as well. And I think that sometimes we get confused, even as a surfer, I was going out and surfing eight to 10 foot waves thinking that you're just supposed to keep surfing bigger and bigger and bigger, bigger waves. And then I realized I don't want to surf eight foot waves. I'm really happy at three to four foot waves. And as I continue to explore financially, I'm also really happy and not from a limiting space, but I think Mm -hmm. that, having like our call today started at two o'clock in the mornings, I self care and I get myself to be able to show up in a space where I can really be present. And I give love to my dog, just like you probably give love to your kids and having space to be in creative flow and to actually live life for me is, is more important than money. Money is part of it, but, um, yeah, so it's for anyone out there exploring their relationship with money and what it means to them, just know that you don't have to have a business with seven employees and generate XYZ. Actually, most of my mentors and myself included have having um, an elegantly simple business, as Gay Hendricks says, mm. do one do one or two things really well. This constant reinvention of the wheel is really exhausting. So if yeah. any of you can figure out one or two things and do them those things well and get into a space of mastery, one yeah. program that you launch twice a year, mm. um, unless you like to constantly be creating things, um, if you're doing it from a survival space or a scarcity space, I would also yeah. encourage people to just tune into what serves them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to um, need all the courses and all the books and all the trainings. And um, I realized that that was a form of self-obsession, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. And also coming from a place because I was treating myself like a fixer upper, you know, and um, coming from a place of like not enoughness and then um, really, really worked hard on healing that. And now um, the trainings that I'm um, really diving deep into for my coaching clients is um, getting trained in tapping through the Mind Light Institute and then um, and then some uh, work around sexual healing through Layla Martin and uh, I love her yeah I do too. so what I love about uh, doing trainings now is it's not coming from a place of not enoughness it's actually feeling I feel really able to um, trust spirit in every session because I have all these tools that I can pull from and I can just show up without like, okay, this is my one thing that I'm here to offer. This is our like little box that we're going to stay in, but it's, it feels more expansive of like, um, being able to intuitively know what they need and being able to pull from that toolbox. So it's been really beautiful, but I had to definitely switch it from that place of 
um, treating myself as a fixer upper and not feeling like enough to a place more of um, empowerment and um, spirit led. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big thing I also speak to is like, we're not broken. I tell everybody that yeah. in the program, I'm like, you're not broken. It's like developing ourself as mm-hmm. personal development. Yeah. So yeah. A lot the of people have that really mm-hmm. likes to, um, and I don't think that it's intentional always, but um, they like to teach us that we're broken and um, we're sinful and shameful and, and um, that's how they build their numbers in a way, you know, and that's the narrative I grew up with. So um, there's a lot of deprogramming there. I'm reading this amazing book called Wisdom Rising. I recently met a, her, she's a female llama. Um, her name is Lama Solarium. I'm not going to pronounce her last name wrong, but we, we met walking on the beach. She's, she's 74. She owns Tara Mandala Retreat Center in Colorado. And mm. her whole book is around patriarchal religious confines and just mm. need, the need for women. Um, she talks about like Dekins. I'm just reading, starting to, I've been into Buddhism, but it's all mm-hmm. Buddhism based and there's so much patriarchy even in Buddhism. Um, yeah. And yeah, I really wish it's interesting. I think that there are beautiful parts of religion which are to connect with spirit and source, mm-hmm. but they ultimately were created to control. Yeah. And that's so, it's so messed up. I was listening, there's like an AA meeting in the park, and at the end, they all get together and they like do it's really, AA is religious. Like, at the end, it's all like God based. And mm-hmm. um, it's a beautiful organization really helping people. But then, there I'm like there's the religion at the end yeah yeah and I think the main the main um thing too is that it's so much of it is God is outside of us instead of God is inside of us um I I wrote down that book name um I'm guessing you've already read Wild Mercy no by Mirabai Star you would love that one um that's a good that's a good name yeah um, it. I'll send you the poem that that uh, feels very similar to uh, your work. Um, Great. And also, I wanted to talk about um, people are often like overjoyed or repelled by your work, and I feel the same. With <laughs> <them>. <laughs> I, I, I I think, <laughs> and I feel yeah. the same response to mine, um, to this podcast, to my spiritual work, to the photos I take, all of it. And there's a quote I love that's something along the lines of. If you live off of people's compliments, you'll die by their criticism. And I don't, um, I don't really like feel validation from compliments or um, invalidated by criticism so much. But the thing for me, it's more that um, I tend to feel like I'm like a walking contradiction a lot of the times. And the fact that I get so much compliments and criticism like reinforces that feeling, I guess. Um, because it, it makes it feel kind of um, hard to feel understood and can kind of be a lonely place as well. And I can't tell you how much, you know, um, Mirror by Stars and your poetry makes me feel less alone and, and how much I find belonging in that because there are so many parts that feel like a contradiction in a very un, unashamed way. And I wanted to talk to you specifically about your poem. This is for the woman who don't give a fuck, because obviously you embody that um, in order to get, you know, um, for me to find that resonance in there when it comes to this, this area of my path. And when I read it, um, I feel really resonant 
with all of it, but I wanted to ask you when it comes to not giving a fuck about the brutal honesty coming from a place of power while also not being careless or ruthless with those around us. Cause I feel like a lot of times when we come into this place of like finally not giving a fuck and like finally owning our truth and like finally able to set boundaries. Um, I know for me growing up with a lot of narcissism in my family and working with someone who was narcissistic for um, quite some time, when I finally started to come up against like up, up into this place, I had to find the balance of, of like, um, like so much zeal of like, you're like, you're not going to walk all over me anymore, you know? And so, um, I wanted to talk to you about like, yeah, uh, you know, not giving a fuck, but also not being like careless and ruthless at the same time. And like that thin line and how that kind of contradicts itself as well. Um, cause I, I feel like we can get caught up in one side or the other. And uh, I know for me, I'm really working on expressing my truth in a way that is helpful and not harmful. And that takes softness at times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the duality of it mm-hmm. and that, um, that fierceness is okay. And yeah. that fierce, I think that's one of the things I'm reading today, but is, is fierceness isn't always anger. I think mm-hmm. that women can be fierce and expressive of their nature and, mm-hmm it gets labeled as angry. And the the one thing I'll say with you, which I so, um, Marshall Rosenberg talks about it in his book, Nonviolent Communication, is Mm -hmm. that when we first start to set boundaries, and I think being who we are is setting a boundary with this world over and over and over again sometimes. It's a constant piece, is we often don't know how to do it in a graceful way. And he talks in his book about his daughter was learning boundaries and she was at school and the teacher asked her to do something and she like swore and was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And like spazzed <laughs> out. And he smiled because he's like, oh, it's the first step. And Brene Brown also talks about this in one of her books of sometimes the best we can do is slam a door in someone's face. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that that will always be our best or that that is the only way, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's where we are. And mm-hmm. I continue to try and walk with ultimate acceptance of the maturity of my boundaries or expressions and where I am and Mm -hmm. to accept them. And there's some days where I am angry with this world. And I had a really angry moment. I did a meditation for Afghanistan um, with, with Lama the other day. And I felt rage at at where the world is right now with Mm -hmm. women. And I actually showed up and did an Instagram live and I was angry and I, mm-hmm. and I didn't show up from a very peaceful, calm, watery place, which is where I sometimes teach from. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, I was pissed and watery. A and lot emotional. of it right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and that's also okay. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a duality inside of us. So um, I think that it's normal to, at first, to do it with like a, and we we speak anger into expression as as humans as artists as teachers anger is often there because we feel like we have no control Mm. and we are trying to create Mm -hmm. control anger is like becoming the hulk we get all jacked up we're like and then we feel like we have this power to communicate a lot of people who struggle at communicating only communicate when angry um and the reality is, is that anger as a payoff, it just shuts people down. So we may feel strong, but no one can actually hear us. And mm-hmm. so um, 
as far as being a woman who doesn't give a fuck, which I really wrote that poem about most of my work is around creating space for the full circumference of women and the mm-hmm. whole duality. That poem isn't about one woman. It's about many women. It's about mm-hmm. uh, the woman that I am, women around me at the time, the woman that I want to become that I'm not yet. Um, and so it it was a lot of different characters. And also, it's not about, it's not about being disrespectful or a rebel although I am all of those pieces I am a rebel inside (laughs) I am a rebel inside it's just about knowing that you know it's it's about knowing who you are does belong and I I think that women were burned literally and called witches for just practicing herbalism or not wanting to have sex with their husbands yeah today yeah yeah I I uh Gay Hendricks saying that to me the other day he's like Yana you would have been burned at the stake yeah, literally burned at the stake. And, and how beautiful is it that you're here and you get to express? So um, I think that there's a line there and it is always more powerful to give our messages from a space of grounded, mature, mm-hmm. calm grace. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's not our best. Yeah. <laughs> so I just think it's loving ourselves mm-hmm. when that that duality shows up and um and being a woman who doesn't give a fuck is just being who you are in this world Mm -hmm. and not not allowing not conforming not conforming to a lot of the societal ideals of what it is to be a woman or what we need to do to belong why do you feel that we give so many fucks um I feel like for me I really struggle with everything seeming to matter so much when like I, I my boyfriend that's his um thing that he tells me is like a lot of times I make things so serious and and I know that's not that puts such a low ceiling on yourself when you when things are always taken so seriously um so I'm curious why you think we give so many fucks and what your advice would be for those who want to let go of that I think that women have been programmed for thousands of years to be polite, Mm. full, quiet, you know, nice, Mm well-mannered. That was safe. That was how we belonged. And so I think we are unconsciously always putting ourselves in this box of what we think is going to be create security and have us survive and so well that's one level I also just think that women are intelligent and intuitive and we I think we do process and analyze more than men a lot of the time I think that we are governed mm-hmm. by a higher emotional intuitive intelligence most of the time uh, more observant yeah, yeah way more observant and um and I think that there is a a caring and an understanding because we're driven from a different space or we're moving more from more of our feminine parts that I think is just really different. Yeah. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's some of it might be a survival defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. And some of it I think is just, um, just being intuitive, emotionally intelligent creatures and caring genuinely Mm -hmm. caring from a space of sincerity about relationships about things about empathy and compassion Mm -hmm. and creatures and 
there's that is the feminine you know that's why our our planet and human equality and all of the animals are going extinct it's like that is the representative of the feminine that is crying Mm -hmm. out that is totally out of balance yeah that makes so much sense um hmm. and for the women though that feel like um they read their they read that poem and they're like i want i want to embody this um what would your advice be to step towards that the first thing they should do is put on the song bitch by meredith brooks i don't know that one (laughs) what no (laughs) like i'm a bitch i'm a mother i'm a daughter for some reason i was thinking of some new hip-hop song no yeah i love that no yo annie defranco and meredith brooks really knew what was up they were really doing that work long ago they should put that on and they should dance and they should move in their bodies and tap into their wildness and Mm -hmm. then I would have them probably journal out all of the parts of themselves that they love and that they value and one of one of my qualities is I am an incredibly deep and sometimes intense human being and Mm so the world will often reject certain parts of us that don't belong. And so Mm -hmm. I think the more that we can carve out belonging for our pieces is really Mm -hmm. important. And so um, really loving doing the work of uh, really that song, bitch is beautiful with, um, and then the song 32 flavors and then some by Annie DeFranco, listen to both of those songs, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) journal out all of those parts because I've done parts work in therapy and we're not just one thing, you know, we Mm -hmm. have, so many parts just why we get confused sometimes yeah. different parts of inside of us are expressing so the more that we can love accept name and, and live in mm-hmm. our parts and then carry those into the world and if anyone makes you wrong for who you are mm-hmm. get rid of them yeah you know it doesn't mean anything's wrong with them or you it's just not resonant you yeah. know and so you just we're not it's no one you know there's there's just dissonance there's mm-hmm. dissonance or resonance and so embody who you are and if someone is not accepting it because there could be non-resonance with values and yeah. pieces it doesn't mean that you should reject those parts of yourselves that someone is rejecting mm-hmm. yeah i've been diving into internal family systems um and there's a book uh, based off that um system called the sum of sum of all our parts um, that is all about that. And I, um, I know I, I brought up the book Pussy to you. And one of the things she says is to like, when you're feeling like a bitch or you're feeling just really depressed or whatever it is to like dress that part and then do that dance that you're talking about. So like, if she's feeling really crummy, she literally puts on a trash bag and then she like dances uh-huh. and she really like embodies that feeling as a way of like accepting it more and saying like yes this is how I feel I'm not trying to like get rid of it by this dance I'm actually trying to like feel it fully and so I, th- I thought that was really cool I'm trying to get my kids to partake <laughs> I love that that's so yeah. good it's important to sit in the shittiness and like mm-hmm. curl up there was um there's a part of some book that was talking about how when animals are sick or something is going on for them they'll literally lie in a little ball and rest and not eat or drink and Mm. just nurture and be with themselves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think for me, I don't know about you, but we're so in service and Mm -hmm. there can be this 
urge to always feel good or be well. And so when that feeling pops up, I'm like, all right, I'm going to dive into all the self-care pieces. But I first will lie in a little ball and just feel and just be like, all right, I feel crummy. And I don't even need to give the mental where it is. It doesn't always help, but I'm going to feel crummy and nurture Mm -hmm. myself and be here. And then I'm going to take care of myself and do some of the pieces to state shift. Um, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And when it comes to feeling all of those feelings, um, also with that part, and then also just with um, the sacredness of our experience at times, I, I really value transparency and vulnerability. It's what captivates me in a person. It's what captivates me about you and your work. And I'd love to talk about this line with you, though, of sharing your truth in your innermost depths through your work. But that line between that and also keeping some things inside. Uh, I know for me, sometimes I'm not sure if I am sharing something that I like a week ago, I was singing at my altar and with my drum and I felt like another voice come through and I felt like it was like an ancestor and it was so beautiful. But then like later I wanted to reenact it to like video it because I wanted to inspire other people to like connect to their ancestors and to sing. And there is a big when I went to do that there was this big like no this big like feeling of ickiness and so it just wasn't its time you know maybe maybe later I can do that but um I don't know I don't always get that 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 big no and ickiness with sharing something so I'm curious for you where you find that line between like sharing it all to inspire and then also sometimes mm-hmm. just keeping it with with yourself Yeah, definitely been learning that, especially with partners and dating of Mm. wanting, like some things really are sacred to relationship and wanting the person that feels the safest to always be the person I'm in intimate relationship with. And so I will run posts or things by the person I'm with and ask how it feels and ask how Mm. the timing feels, because although we think that it has to be shared right now. It doesn't. It's still going to have three, yeah. three months from now and, yeah. and or a year, you know. And there's some things I've written that I'll never put in a book and I'll never publish mm-hmm. that are just for me. And there are, um, there's timing. I think Brene Brown calls it flood, floodlighting or floodgating when we, mm-hmm. we share something vulnerable too soon mm-hmm. when we haven't processed it. And then, it becomes processed with all of these other people. And I've definitely done that. And I also know the big no you're talking about. I've had, it is kind of a, my body tells me Mm -hmm. no, no. And I will also get the same piece. And I'm also mindful of relationships um, because I am a nonfiction writer and learning that dance of sensitivity rather than censorship. Um, and where I'm, I'm just being respectful of uh, the relationships that are sacred to me and the experiences that are sacred to me. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I think that although my tagline has been, I share slabs of my heart with this world for a living, it's, we can teach in so many ways. I can write a poem that's a bit abstract that can say the same thing, or I mm-hmm. could share a very direct open thing. And I think that I think that part of our generation right now is it's almost like we're a part of us is, and I've become aware of it because at one point it didn't feel like this, but there's almost like this prostitution of our vulnerability and our story to create content. Yeah. And and I don't want to know for me. 
And I just, I don't want to do it anymore. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to share everything that I'm going through with people. And I don't need to have everybody on the timeline. And, um, and so I've been definitely playing with that and playing with that line inside. Mm -hmm. And I think every day it's different. And, um, so I think people who are navigating that for themselves, just take the time. It's all, I, I, when I went to a, a three-day personal development program for the first time, they literally say, don't make any huge life changes for the next 30 days and don't mm-hmm. date anybody in this program for 30 days because mm-hmm. we need integration time. Yeah. And I think people haven't often integrated what they've experienced and then they share it and it's messy and there's people weighing in and that feels unsafe for a part mm-hmm. of us so yeah. um yeah I don't think there are a lot of people who also don't teach through their personal stories so I've been playing around mm-hmm. with two of of um poetry does share intimate vulnerable things but there's I think I know more so what you're talking about is and yeah. I will do big like I'm learning this in therapy today um and uh yeah so I think that's a line that I'm also learning constantly along Mm. with I think our world right now and I do think that it's somewhat traumatizing to share things before we've processed and integrated Mm -hmm. them and then for that to get processed with 100,000 people yeah so to listen to that no is really important yeah that's so good thank you so Um, I end every show with a lightning round of questions that are super quick, but before we uh, go into that, I wanted to just ask you, I heard you say that one of your teachers told you that the universe is a cosmic waitress. I think it may have been Gay Hendricks. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Can you share what that means to you? Yeah. So I had gone through a, a breakup and there were a lot of qualities I really loved in the person I was dating and I was sad about getting closer to what I wanted and having to let it go. And so Gay turned to me and just said, well, Yana, the universe is a a cosmic waitress. So let's list off all of those qualities that that man had Mm -hmm. and let's order those in in the universe and let's order the things that we're missing. It's Mm -hmm. almost like you're creating a cocktail of a partner in the world. Yeah. So kind of playing on the laws of manifestation but mm-hmm. also having more direct clarity around what pieces were missing yeah and I think for me too like trusting that that because I've done that work a lot but then when it shows up like trusting that I deserve it and actually receiving it um I've interviewed Paul Selig a couple of times which is one of my favorite channelers and he says that we're always it's kind of a similar quote but he says that we're always ordering off the menu that we think is in front of us Mm. I love that that you like making your own menu (laughs) (laughs) totally yeah 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 yeah. of just yeah so those are good good yeah good I like thinking of it that way Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I keep getting the keep the men keep getting closer and closer you know yeah. they're just like newer and newer versions of the iPhone they keep getting better and better yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. have you read getting the love you want by, I've um, been told about Harville that book Hendricks? I'm reading huh it's Harville Hendrix okay I've really been reading the, reading the art of loving by Eric Fromm right now which mm. has been interesting in learning yeah. different types of love and but I've heard of getting love that you want yeah. yeah that's all imago work and that that um 
was really, really useful for me and figuring out why I'm attracted to what I'm attracted to and how to change that attraction. And um, that was when I felt like different people started showing up. Um, Ooh, I'm write it down. Getting the love you want. So there's a few short questions that I like to ask everyone who comes on the show. The first one is, if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say? Hmm. That you are a supernova in a world full of planets. (laughs) I love that. And you're going to be misunderstood, and it doesn't mean that you're wrong. Hmm. That's so good. If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? And I know you have have one that just came out too. Hmm. What books would really help the world? I mean, I kind of want it to be an emotional intelligence book, you know, Mm. something like, um, mm, there's so many. I really love five languages of love and attached as far as relational books Mm -hmm. yeah um i think and also actually you know what you can heal your life by louise hay oh i haven't heard of that one oh it's like my bible she um she passed away but her work was around um how every physical dis-ease in our body is created from the emotional and so there's a at the back of it has a list of tons of physical ailments with affirmation so she worked with a ton of people healing everything from yeast infections to wow. to cancer with with affirmations and pieces so uh, and she has she's a creator of mirror work she has a 30-day mirror work thing where you look at yourself and wow. you oh my god you love yourself yeah either yeah either the mirror work book or or that one i think would really i'd love to open people up to that more different different alternative way of looking at the physical pain in our bodies thank you mm-hmm. um if you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet what would it be you belong mm, that's perfect all right how can people connect with you find your work and yeah do more of your work if they haven't already Good starting place is my my first book, which is a child, which is called "This Is for the Women Who Don't Give a Fuck." Um, that's a really um, just so over the digital world right now. So if you want to sit down with a cup of coffee and yeah. feel my spirit, that's a good way. And then if mm-hmm. you want to hang out with me in the digital sphere, I I am on Instagram, <laughs> so you can follow me there. And um, I have an email list as well which we can we'll get you the link for if people want to get love notes from me those are the the best ways and I do run my programs kind of once a year so there's a wait list for that if people were interested in being in more of a facilitator container of truth that's a Mm. probably will relaunch that in the spring okay awesome yeah we'll put all that in the show notes thank you so much yes Thank you so much, Jade. I really appreciate mm-hmm. your energy and your time. Nice to have a part two. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you so much for that possibility. That was <laughs> that was one of the like scariest moments I've had on the podcast as of yet, and it's been like three years. <laughs> oh gosh, I lived in Costa Rica where the power would go out all the time, and you just you just learn you have integrity. So it, you know it wasn't 
your integrity was not up. It's like, not like you flaked out or there was a yeah. piece there. <laughs> I'm just glad, like I've had some older guests on before where like this was really technical for them and like really difficult. If that would have happened to them, I don't, I think it would have been like giving them a little of panic attack. So I'm I glad once, that you lived in Costa Rica. Totally. I once had an interview where I really wasn't resonant with the guy. I don't think we were resonant with each other and it dropped out and we oh. both never talk to each other again I didn't email him he didn't email me we were just like yeah that was supposed to happen that was not how I felt with you at all no 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 that's not how I felt either um but yeah so yeah yeah the ones who are meant to understand will so Jade Thank you so much. It's yeah, so nice to meet you. I'm looking forward to following yeah. more of your work as well and thank being you. connected in, in the ethers. And I'd love to send you one of the books as well if no, you haven't already great. reached out to you. Well, I, I just had to get rid of like 500 books because the house had mold and paper loves mold. So I had to get rid of all my books. So I would love your book to just start my new library. Yes, yes. email me your, your address and we'll, we'll get you one. Okay. Thank you so much for the generosity of your time and your presence. And oh, there's so much pull, pulling us in this world. So yeah. definitely value it. And um, yeah, and I hope you have a beautiful uh, call starting now. So this is great timing. <laughs> you the rest of your day. Yeah, you too. All right. Okay, talk Bye to you for soon. now. Bye. Bye. <sighs> that was one of my favorite interviews of all time. Especially out of all my female guests, I think that was like top three because um, it just felt so much like that truth that she was speaking was from within her. It was from her own experience in her own life. It wasn't something that she read. It was something that she truly felt. It was her sovereignty. And also, I just felt, I think because I've been reading her work for so long, as soon as she got on the call, I already felt like we were friends. There's been people that, you know, I've read their books and I've had this um, really high uh, opinion of them. And then they get on and there's just no connection. And um, they, you can tell that they're pulled in a bunch of directions, so they're not fully able to be present. And I just was so refreshed when she got on to this call because I felt like, you know, a lot of, I feel like a lot of my uh, books are my friends. A lot of the writers I consider my friends, even though I've never met them, which means a lot of my friends are no longer living. Um, so I already felt like she was a friend before she got on and for her to get on and then to genuinely feel like I'm having a little friend date via this podcast was really cool. Um, this was a really, really awesome experience for me. And it's just one of the reasons why I'm so thankful for this podcast. Um, I'm also overwhelmed with joy at the fact that other people get to maybe experience her when they wouldn't have had it not been this podcast. And I, I want this podcast to have a larger platform for that reason, because I want people's light and more belongingness that uh, uh, more feeling of belongingness like was in this episode so deeply to be spread so it would mean so much to me if you would leave a review or share this episode and tag me you can also join me on instagram at untamed and unashamed podcast as always be a light stay open 
And remember, you belong here. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.